0: Good morning, I'm Tepe Cruz. It's Monday, October 24th. The city of San Diego seeks to spend millions on a freeway expansion despite climate goals. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Today is your last day to register to receive a ballot in the mail for the November 8th general election. If you don't register for a mail-in ballot, you will need to head to the Registrar's office in Kearney Mesa, or visit a vote center starting Saturday to register and vote through Election Day. For information on how to register to vote and for a list of vote centers, log on to kpbs.org voterhub. The San Diego County Health and Human Services Agency has introduced a combined respiratory virus surveillance report. It will track both COVID-19 and the flu in the region. The report will provide San Diegans with a detailed breakdown of common respiratory illness activity, including cases, outbreak information, and deaths. It will be released every Thursday. There was a slight decrease in the unemployment rate in San Diego County between August and September. The September rate was 3.1 percent, compared to 3.4 percent in August. Last month's unemployment rate was considerably less than September last year. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
1: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.
0: Less than three months ago, San Diego officials pledged to achieve net-zero greenhouse gas emissions in the next 13 years. That means the city's entire carbon footprint will have to be offset by removing the same amount of carbon from the atmosphere. But now the city wants to spend more than $20 million to expand a freeway. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says it would represent a major setback for the city's climate goals.
2: State Route 56 is a major thoroughfare connecting the employment hubs of Sorrento Valley and University City with bedroom communities like Carmel Valley and Rancho Peñasquitos. Traffic is pretty light most of the day, but during rush hour, it gets congested. That's why the city of San Diego wants to pay for 2.2 miles of new carpool lanes. You know, it is commonly misunderstood with... um you know, the difference between general purpose lanes and, and managed lanes. So, Phil Trom is a program manager in the city's sustainability and mobility department. He says the new lanes will encourage carpooling, and for that reason, they're good for the city's climate goals of cutting back on car dependence.
3: Yeah. The research is not on their side
4: with that claim.
2: Amy Lee is a Ph.D. candidate at UC Davis. She says decades of research and data collection have made it crystal clear. Expanding freeways puts more cars on the road. Congestion might ease up for a few years, but those faster speeds entice more drivers onto the freeway, and congestion quickly returns. A study from UC Berkeley last year found this phenomenon, called induced demand, is just as true for carpool lanes as it is for general purpose lanes. That's because the new lanes fill up with people who are already carpooling.
4: We
3: call that filtering. You and your carpool move over into the new carpool lane, that spot is backfilled, and we all kind of know the rest (laughs) from there. New traffic um, and new trips are made.
2: So I had to ask city staffers, what impact will the new carpool lanes have on traffic? Phil Trom had to pause before answering. Will they see less congestion once those new lanes are added? Hard to say. So just how much more driving will the new lanes induce? UC Davis researchers developed an online calculator to answer those questions. Put in the data for the SR 56 widening and boom, 12.8 million miles of new vehicle travel per year. Remember, the city says it wants to reduce driving, and by 2035, it'll be legally required to offset all the emissions from the cars and trucks that are still on the road. And with
4: that, we'll take the vote. So, Vice Chair Lakaba.
2: A vote, yes. On October 12th, the city council committee voted unanimously to advance the widening project to the full city council. It'll cost the city $22.5 million, and city staffers suggested any cost overruns would be absorbed by the state transportation department. Here's Councilmember Joe LaCava.
1: And is the $22.5 is that the total cost of the project, or is Caltrans kicking in some money on this? Caltrans is also contributing. The city's contribution is capped at the 22.5. Okay. I like the word capped. Uh, that's always a good, that's a good thing.
2: So. But this is not uh, yeah. necessarily true. The state would oversee construction. But Caltrans North County Director Alan Kossip told KPBS the state won't be contributing any money and during high inflation, the risk of cost overruns is very real.
1: We do have contingency built into the $22 million to cover some increase. If it went above and beyond that, we would go back to the city and and ask the city if they were willing to contribute more. If they were unable to contribute more, uh, we would reduce the scope of the project.
4: Is this going to relieve congestion by 17 seconds? Is it gonna be two minutes?
2: Karina Contreras is a policy advocate for the nonprofit Climate Action Campaign. We meet at a gas station overlooking the freeway. She says the city is not being honest with the public about what these new HOV lanes will actually do for traffic or the environment.
4: Because I think when we start asking those questions and we don't get answers to them, it
1: really is telling about how we're deciding to uh, use this money, this public money.
2: The full city council could vote on the widening of SR-56 as soon as November 1st. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
0: In other climate action-related news, California's groundbreaking efforts in the last two decades to reduce carbon emissions seems to have been undone by one season of raging wildfires. A new study by climate researchers finds that the record-breaking series of wildfires in 2020 released twice the amount of emissions than were saved by carbon reduction efforts since 2003. Up until now, emissions from wildfires have not been taken into account when assessing the progress of the state's carbon reduction efforts, but they may soon be included in California's climate projections. Rajinda Sahota is the Deputy Executive Officer of the California Air Resources Board. She spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh.
4: Did the Air Resources Board know the situation was this bad, that fires were basically wiping out the carbon reduction gains?
3: So I think this requires a little bit of unpacking, because when we talk about the 2020 target, that was actually set in the year 2006 under AB 32, the Global Warming Solutions Act. And that target focused on industry, manufacturing, Um, energy and transportation, because the root cause of climate change is the combustion of fossil fuels. And when that target was set, it was to focus on the root cause, which was let's reduce those emissions from those sectors. What we didn't know in 2006 was that the impacts of climate change would be more intense and more frequent in the next decade. And so when you fast forward to 2015, 2016, 2017, you have one year of bad wildfire emissions. And you're like, Oh my gosh, we're seeing the first major symptom of climate change in California. But then you have it happen year after year. And you can see how intense the wildfires are. And you can see how frequent they are. And that is now the new norm along with the droughts.
4: The UN climate panel now says all sources of emissions must be considered in efforts to achieve carbon neutrality. And is that what the Air Resources Board is now doing?
3: So we are updating the state's climate plan about how to achieve our targets. And that was the 2020 target, which we achieved years before we were mandated to. But in that climate change scoping plan, we now include wildfire emissions, forest, natural landscape emissions, and the industry and fossil emissions that have always been present in our inventory. CARB does post both wildfire emissions and the fossil fuel side emissions. But right now we are planning for carbon neutrality in 2045. And legislation says all sources matter.
4: How does the information in this new study affect California's efforts to achieve carbon neutrality? Does it set back the time frame on these goals?
3: it really doesn't. We know wildfires for the next couple of decades are going to be significant and intense because we are almost paying back a debt on carbon emissions in that sector. And what I mean by that is that nature would have already had a cycle for wildfires to have happened where we wouldn't have the large buildup that's sitting in our forest today. So when the fires happen today, it's all of that previous fire being made up in one instantaneous event. So recognizing that And the longer time frame, we still have time to get to carbon neutrality by 2045, but that means working with intention to change some of our sustainable management practices, allowing wildfire to happen in a managed way to mimic what would happen in a natural cycle, and also continuing to reduce the fossil fuel emissions that we have in the in the economy.
4: One of the long-term effects outlined in the study is after these climate-driven wildfires, the trees that store carbon dioxide are often not growing back. Isn't that regrowth essential to carbon capture in the future?
3: Absolutely. But I think we need to also recognize that when we have a wildfire in California, it doesn't wipe out all the trees in California. It wipes out a region where the fire happened. And we've had more regions with wildfires and those may continue, but we still have a significant amount of forest in California that it continues to remove carbon from the atmosphere even today. And regrowth will happen and we know it won't be automatic. It's a very different time scale. And I think that may be part of the reason that we just have to acknowledge that we're going to see a longer time for our forests to go from a wildfire source to an overall sink in the economy, even though today they are still pulling carbon out of the atmosphere.
4: I have been speaking with Rajinda Sohota, Deputy Executive Officer of the California Air Resources Board. Rajinda, thank you very much.
3: Thank you.
0: One San Diego City Councilman wants to give employees more parental leave. KPBS reporter Claire Trageser looks into his proposal. Councilman Raul Campillo has come up with a new plan to triple parental leave. Right now, city employees get four weeks of paid leave after the birth of their child. He wants to boost that to 12 weeks.
1: The last thing we want any city of San Diego employee to think is that they've just given birth to their baby and they have to rush back to work.
0: Campillo says the plan would cost San Diego City taxpayers between $5 and $6 million a year, up from $1.5 million currently. But, he says, it would recoup some costs by decreasing staff turnover and overtime. Campillo's plan was sent to Mayor Todd Gloria for approval. It will require negotiations with city unions, and the city council would vote on any new labor agreements. Claire Trageser, KPBS News. Coming up, we break down some of the races on your ballot this fall. We'll have that next, just after the break.
1: KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. mcasd.org.
0: For the first time in eight years, Chula Vista voters will elect a new mayor this November. The two candidates, Councilman John McCann and Amar Kampanishar, Frame the race as a choice between experience and new ideas. KPBS reporter Gustavo Solis has more on the race.
1: John McCann has been on the Chula Vista City Council for 16 years. If elected mayor, he would be the most experienced elected official in the city. McCann's pitch to voters is that Chula Vista needs a proven leader right now to complete the Bayfront Development Project and bring a four-year university to the South Bay. You need somebody who has experience and has proven results. Amar Kampanajar spent four years running unsuccessful congressional campaigns in the East County. He is now running for mayor in Chula Vista because he believes the city needs new leadership. And he points to the city's handling of the homeless encampment in Harborside Park. There, the city allowed the encampment to grow out of control and had to shut down the public park. Absolutely. There's a lot to be desired in the way that we are approaching this issue. And I think a new mayor with a new perspective and a new vision can address this better. In November, Chula Vista voters will decide if they agree. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News.
0: In other election-related news, California's 49th Congressional District covers northern cities in San Diego County, Camp Pendleton, and some portions of southern Orange County. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has a look at the candidates.
4: Incumbent Mike Levin is a Democrat seeking re-election for a third term. Levin's background is in environmental law and energy regulatory compliance. Here are Levin's top issues in the
1: 49th. Well, I would say protecting our environment, serving our veterans and our military communities, and protecting our democracy as well. This is a a unique time in the history of the country where our democratic institutions really are at an inflection point.
4: Levin's challenger is Republican Brian Marriott, whose background is in finances as a certified financial planner. Marriott's top three issues.
1: So inflation is a real problem. And we're very focused on that conversation with people and what we can do in Congress to help. Uh, People are looking for peace of mind around their personal security, their community safety, and also our border. And we want our border to be safe, secure, and manageable.
4: Disposing of San Onofre's nuclear waste is another major issue.
1: Just uh, recently, the Department of Energy announced that $16 million uh, would be spent over the next 18 months in trying to get somewhere between six and eight communities uh, interested in being a host, either for an interim storage site or potentially a permanent repository. And guess what? Since 2008 until now, nobody has thrown up their hand to say yes, we'll accept it. Government has to make hard decisions.
4: Tanya Thorne, KPBS News.
0: That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
1: KPBS On Demand is supported by... Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd, more at candlewoodartsfestival.org.